I mean, it's one banana, Michael. What could it cost? Ten dollars? That timeless line was uttered by the deliciously awful Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development, Season 1, Episode 5. P.S. Rest in peace, Jessica Walter. Arrested Development is one of my favorite shows. The humor is fantastic. The lines are always pitch perfect. Even the show's very first exchange is a knee slapper. Look what they've done, Michael. Look what the homosexuals have done to me. You can't just calm that out and reset it? To get that joke, you have to understand that Mother Bluth was not complaining about her hair, but that's not the part of the episode I want us to focus on. Just a few minutes after this exchange, there's a plot twist. The patriarch of the family, George Bluth, announces that he is handing over control of his successful company to his wife, Lucille, which catches his overachieving son, Michael, completely off guard. The rest of the show is essentially the tale of Michael trying to manage the company while his mother and siblings run it into the ground. So what am I driving at? Are we going to dummy up birth charts with the Bluths? See if Netflix will make another season of the show? No. It's just that there's another well-known family who's been in the news lately and who, in many ways, remind me of the Bluths. I'm talking, of course, about the British royal family. What is that pilot episode of Arrested Development, if not a picture-perfect dramatization of the royal family over the past decade or two? Daddy Bluth is Prince Philip, the domineering patriarchal patriarch who doesn't seem to like any of his children except his daughter. Lucille Bluth is Her Majesty the Queen, the lovably out-of-touch matriarch whose barbs are almost as quotable as her fictional counterparts. It was the Queen, after all, who said, these wretched babies don't come until they are ready. And then there's Michael Bluth, the eternal understudy, always in the shadow of the Bluths of yesteryear. He is quite obviously Prince Charles, who has been the heir to the crown longer than anyone in the UK's history. Now, with the passing of Prince Philip, people are thinking more than ever about Charles's inevitable ascension to the throne. The Queen is 94, after all. How much longer can she go on? But what if Charles's ascension isn't so inevitable? What if I told you that the first episode of Arrested Development when the family business lands in the lap of someone completely unexpected, might be about to play itself out in real life, only in castles instead of banana stands. My name is Charles, and this is Asterisplained, Season 2, Episode 8. Will Charles ever be in charge? Hello, and welcome to Astro's Plane, where we use the astrology of India to examine the lives of the famous and the infamous. I'm Charles, your friendly neighborhood astrologer, and today we're taking another look at the British royal family. There are a few things I want to say about Prince Philip's chart, but that belongs in another episode. For this episode, we're going to start with the Queen. Elizabeth Alexandra Mary was born in London 
on April 21, 1926, at 2.40 a.m., according to her birth certificate. She has Sagittarius in her first house, with her ascendant point in the nakshatra of Uttara Ashadha. You may recall from a few episodes ago, Uttara Ashadha people oftentimes overshadow their spouses. Seems fitting. Anyhow, she has a strong Chandra Mangala Yoga with Mars at its point of exaltation in Capricorn and the Moon in its own sign of Cancer. It's interesting that part of this yoga should be in the Queen's second house. Chandra Mangala gives wealth, and the second house is the house of immediate family and family money. The planets that form this yoga are very strong, so not surprisingly, the queen is immensely wealthy, and this wealth came to her through her family. There are some other yogas in this second house as well. Jupiter rules the queen's first house, and Mars rules her fifth house. Jupiter and Mars are both in her second house, and this gives the queen a Dharma Karma Adipati yoga. This is where luck meets effort. It's also what's called a kingmaker yoga. But anyhow, there's something else going on in that second house that we should focus on. I mentioned that the queen has Mars in Capricorn in her second house. Mars has a roommate. He shares the second house with Jupiter. And whereas Mars is exalted, in Capricorn. Jupiter is debilitated there. This is important for two reasons. One, Jupiter is the ruler of the queen's first house, the house of the body. Two, the queen is currently in the Mars Bukti of her Jupiter Dasha. What does this mean? Jupiter is not as strong as he would like to be because he's debilitated, although having Mars with him in the second house removes some of that weakness. From the second house, Jupiter aspects the queen's sixth house, which strong malefic Saturn also aspects, and Jupiter aspects the queen's eighth house, which the strong malefic Mars also aspects. The sixth house is the house of accidents, injuries, short illnesses. The eighth house represents death and chronic illness. These houses are active right now because the Dasha Lord aspects them. But this Dasha Lord is weak, while the other planets that aspect these two houses are very strong. This gives the malefic planets free reign to bring out the worst that these houses have to offer. There are other issues with this Jupiter, too. Remember from Astrosplaining 104 and how Fred Fischan's Venus was a Chidragraha in three ways? The same thing is happening here with the Queen's Jupiter. Jupiter is the ruler of the Queen's 64th Navamsha, as counted from the Ascendant and from the Moon. He is also the Lord of her 22nd Drekana, as counted from the Moon. That a triple chidra debilitated Jupiter owns the queen's first house while aspecting two health-related houses 
should suggest that during her Jupiter Dasha, we should see some health issues. And then there's Mars. As I mentioned in our Stephen Breyer episode, it's oftentimes bad news when the book Lord transits its sign of debilitation. Mars is going to enter Cancer, his sign of debilitation, on June 1st of this year, and he will remain there until July 20th. This means that from June 1st to July 19th, the Queen's 8th house will be aspected and occupied by a malefic book lord. All of this on top of the aspect from weak Dasha Lord Jupiter. I should also say that Mars forms a very bad yoga in the Queen's Vitality Amsha. Long story short, the Jupiter-Mars Bukti is a difficult time for Her Majesty, with health being a serious concern. Now, if you were paying attention, you might be asking yourself, if Mars will be in Cancer until July 20th, why did Charles say we should keep an eye on the Queen's 8th house until July 19th? This is because the Queen's Mars Book T ends on July 19th, at which point she will enter the Rahu portion of her Jupiter Dasha. But that only moderately improves the situation. Rahu does not occupy or aspect the Queen's 8th house. He does, however, occupy the Queen's 7th house, which is a death-bringing house, and in the Vitality Amsha, Rahu occupies a bad house. This is especially relevant because Rahu is currently in Taurus, its sign of debilitation, which it will not leave until April of 2022. So June 1st is when the Queen's current book lord will be debilitated. And beginning on July 19th, she will be in another book tea whose lord is malefic and debilitated by transit. Now, let's take a look at September 14th of this year. Jupiter is in Aquarius right now, right? Hooray! But here's the thing. Jupiter is going to go retrograde, and he's going to be in retrograde for so long that on September 14th, he will re-enter Capricorn. This means that beginning on September 14th, the Queen's Dasha and Bukti Lords will be debilitated by transit, in addition to her Dasha Lords being debilitated natally. Jupiter will leave Capricorn for good on November 20th of this year, which will take some of the edge off her Jupiter, and Rahu will leave Taurus in April of 2022. So then, neither her Dasha Lord nor her Bukti Lord will be debilitated. But this assumes that she is still with us. I would expect the Queen to move on as early as June 1st of this year and as late as April 12th, 2022, with the most likely time being the period during which Jupiter and Rahu will both be debilitated by transit. So from September 14th to November 20th of this year. And if that happens, Charles becomes king, right? Well, 
Prince Charles was born on November 14, 1948. Per news reports, he was born at 9.14 p.m. He doesn't have much in the way of yogas, but he does have the Phil Spector yoga. And the planets that make Charles's Phil Spector yoga, Mars and the Moon, are strong. But I am somewhat on the fence about this yoga because in Charles's chart, Mars is eight houses away from Aries, the sign the Moon occupies and which Mars owns. As you've heard me say before, when a planet is six, eight, or twelve houses away from a house that it owns, it brings trouble to that house. Remember this point because we will come back to it. Charles is currently in the Venus portion of his Jupiter Dasha. Charles's Jupiter is strong because he is in his own sign of Sagittarius, but he's sitting in Charles's sixth house, which is a house that Jupiter doesn't like to be in. Charles's bookty lord, Venus, however, is a very different story. Charles's Venus is unhappy, really unhappy. She's debilitated. She has malefic planets on either side of her. She is 12 houses away from Libra, the sign of Charles's fourth house. Remember, when a planet is six, eight, or 12 away from a house that it owns, it brings destruction to that house. I told you we'd be coming back to it. And Venus is Charles's Ava Yogi planet, the planet that obstructs prosperity. On top of this, Saturn and Rahu aspect Charles's fourth house. Kitu occupies Charles's fourth house. Mercury is there too, but Mercury doesn't behave himself when he shares a sign with malefic planets. And then we have the sun, who's also in Charles's fourth house. Charles's son is very, very weak. He's in the fourth house where he is directionally weak. He's half a degree away from being in Charles's fifth house, meaning that he is in the dead portion of the sign of Libra. And, 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 let's not forget that the sun is debilitated in Libra. And what does the sun represent? The father, Yes, but it also represents authority and kingship. The sun is the center of the solar system and thus the king of the planets. Having a sun this damaged cannot be good for someone who aspires to be king. I should also say that according to one classic astrology text, a debilitated sun destroys whatever kingmaker yogas might appear in the birth chart. I find it really hard to take this literally because if it's true, it means that no one who is born between mid-October and mid-November, which is when the sun is in Libra, will ever benefit from one of these special yogas. And that's a lot of people. But if ever a debilitated sun could break a good yoga, it's the sun in Charles's chart because Charles's sun is bad. And this alone makes me wonder if he will ever be king. So Charles is in Jupiter-Venus, right? Jupiter is a relatively strong, benefic planet in this chart, and that's swell. But he will transit his sign of debilitation starting September 14th of this year. 
Venus will be in Libra at that time, which is nice, but the Sun will enter Virgo, Venus's sign of debilitation, on September 17th. It's a bad sign when the Bukti Lord transits its sign of debilitation. It's also bad when the Sun transits the Bukti Lord's sign of debilitation. The Sun will leave Virgo on October 13th, but then he will enter his own sign of debilitation, Libra. Which wouldn't be the worst thing, except that Bukti Lord Venus owns Libra. This means that Libra is going to be active during this Venus Bukti. And so, when the Sun, who represents authority, transits Libra, he will be debilitated by transit as well as by his position in the birth chart. There's also this. Dasha Lord Jupiter is in the third house in Charles's status Amsha. In Amsha land, the third and eighth houses represent endings. So it wouldn't be surprising at all if during this Jupiter Dasha, Charles suffered a loss in status, especially given how weak his son is. Oh, and P.S. Since we are speaking of endings, Charles has Venus in the eighth house in his longevity Amsha. Eighth house equals ending in the longevity Amsha. You see where I'm going. And wouldn't you know it, on top of everything else that we have said about Charles's Venus, there's one thing that we have not yet said, and that is the fact that Venus is the owner of Charles's 11th house, which is a problem because Charles has a movable sign in his first house, which makes Venus his Baraka planet and therefore one of his chitras. Now, not only is Charles in his Jupiter Dasha right now, his mother is too. So all of this debilitated Dasha Lord, son in the debilitation sign of an unhappy Bukti Lord, all of that is going on at the same time that we should be expecting the crown to land on somebody's head. But whose? Prince William's? He would be next in line, sure, but as we discussed a few episodes ago, William is in his Saturn Dasha right now, which is not a great time for him in terms of status. There are William's children, but they're going to be entering difficult periods as well. Then there's Prince Harry. While his father and grandmother are dealing with the fallout from their messy Jupiter transits, Harry will be in his Rahu Dasha Venus Bukti. And in case you're keeping score at home, Harry was born on September 15th, 1984. News reports say he was born at 4.20 p.m. Insert joke here. This isn't the easiest time for Harry. Rahu was in Taurus when Harry was born, and Rahu happens to be transiting Taurus right now, meaning that Harry's Dasha Lord is doubly debilitated, both natally and by transit. As for his Bukti Lord, Harry's natal Venus is debilitated, like his father's. However, Harry will enter his Rahu Sun Bukti on October 17th of this year. 
Now, the sun will be transiting his sign of debilitation at that time, but two things to keep in mind. One, unlike Prince Charles's sun, which was extremely weak, Harry's sun is very, very strong, sitting in his own sign, in his own nakshatra, in the ninth house, which the sun likes to be in. The sun will leave Libra in November of this year. Harry's Dasha Lord will still be doubly debilitated because Rahu will still be in Taurus, but his Bukti Lord, the sun, will be fine. Plus, Harry's son helps form a Mahabhagya Yoga. Mahabhagya means excellent luck. A man has the Mahabhagya Yoga if he was born during the day and his ascendant, sun, and moon are in odd-numbered signs. Now, you know, that doesn't sound like a particularly difficult yoga to get, but I have extremely few Mahabhagyas in my collection of charts. All right, this is rare. And then in April of next year, Rahu will leave Taurus. And so whereas other royals' charts will be messy for quite a while, Aries will only improve starting in November. So what does all of this mean? It looks like change is afoot in the royal family, big change. When multiple signs in a chart point toward the same conclusion, it usually means that conclusion will become reality. Based on their charts, the people we've talked about in this episode all seem headed in one direction or another, and it looks unlikely that they will be able to change course. But as my teacher once told me, the best astrologers are only right about 85% of the time. God uses the remaining 15% for miracles and grace and wonder. So let's see what happens. You can email me at astrosplained at gmail.com with any questions you might have regarding today's show or to suggest episode topics. We are on Twitter and Instagram at astrosplained. The website www.astrosplained.com is back with a vengeance, so do check that out and let me know what you think. Lastly, please leave a five-star review of this show on iTunes or any other platform that allows for such things. And by the way, in case you thought it was strange that I only mentioned how a man can have a Maha Bhagya Yoga, have no fear. Women can have it too, just under different conditions. For women, the birth has to take place at night and with the sun, moon, and ascendant in even-numbered signs. And with that, I leave you. I'm Charles, your friendly neighborhood astrologer. Many thanks for listening to Astrosplained. Mm-hmm.